Welcome to Sakar we are in this together. This podcast aims to provide a space for listeners to reflect, learn and empower themselves. With this intention we have initiated honest and meaningful conversations from the best minds that will support and guide you in developing a deeper and more meaningful relationship with yourself and with society at large. empowering webinars calling interesting personalities just to be able to understand what kinds of holistic interventions are there available and how you can benefit uh, you know from them what kind of tools that you can learn to help yourself and to help others Hello. in need very recently we've also started a one on one online counseling on our website as well so for any of you interested in a counseling sessions in in attending all our webinars please do sign in log in to waitt.in and that's where you will get all the information regarding all the work that we do in terms of mental health thank you again so much for being here on the saturday morning and i'm very excited and happy to introduce our guest for this morning and she is a music therapist her name is purva sampat all the way from bangalore purva is the founder and director of maya's universe and she's a graduate from berkeley college of music and one of the few cbmt board certified music therapists and nmt which is neurologic music therapist in the country she's also had the opportunity to practice as a student music therapist in some of the top institutions like perkins school for the blind and boston's children's hospital in massachusetts She's also worked in a in an award-winning arts therapy organization called A Place to Be. In Bangalore, she works as a music therapist with multiple institutions, including Kedamams, a psychiatric hospital and residential facility, Flame, etc. She's also teaching introductory courses on music therapy as a part of PG Diploma Program in Xavier's College in Mumbai. Her aim is to create a clinical standard for music therapy and provide access to education in order to establish and grow the industry of music therapy in India. Wow, Purva, it's like such fantastic amount of work that you are doing and you're so young and you've just started and I really can't wait to hear more about your journey and what being a music therapist is like so let's just begin with the very first question what exactly is music therapy sure thank you so much minal for having me um and i'm i'm just really happy to be here and speak to um a new group of people about what music therapy is and um uh, why i do what i do uh so to answer your question uh, music therapy essentially is the intersection between psychology neuroscience and music where we use uh music interventions uh music based skills to understand the kind of impact it has on our brain and therefore the impact that it has on our body and our emotions and our behavior so how does the the brain and the body process music when you said neurological uh, you know connections i mean if you could just break it down to all our um, you know all the lay persons in the audience what does that really mean in terms of neurological sense and how is the brain and our body processing all of this music that we hear around us i think 24 hours right from the horns blazing on the streets to Absolutely. constant tv or the computers that are on what does this really mean all of this for our brains and our and our bodies 
Absolutely. So um, if you look, we have a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere in our brain. And often um, the misconception is that anything to do with the performing arts is processed in the right because it's the creative aspect of the brain. Um, and the left is only your analytical things like logic and reasoning. But it will surprise you to know that music is actually one of the only activities that engages both the right and the left hemisphere because there is a lot of analytical uh, reasoning, a lot of mathematics really in music. So when you're listening to a piece of music and you know you either start tapping your foot or maybe if you're walking in a mall and they have music blaring, you'll notice in the future if you haven't already that you actually start walking to the beat of the music that you're listening to. It's also why gyms always have uh, loud and fast-paced music um, and that's because of one of the um, really unique abilities that human beings have called rhythmic um, if this was your brain and this is your left hemisphere and your right hemisphere, if you look at the Placed right here and you have your motor cortex that's right above the auditory cortex like this right so when that happens and you know you have a strong beat that you're listening to what happens is you have the synapses in your auditory cortex begin to go off so it starts vibrating it, it gets busy and because the motor cortex is right next to it it actually starts affecting your motor cortex too that's why you end up tapping your foot or moving your head or you know if you're driving which I you know, when I'm driving, I always end up tapping my finger on the steering wheel. Right? So we all have different ways of entraining to rhythm, but it's something that is very innate to us, just like breathing is. We don't learn how to do it, like how we learn how to talk, walk. Um, no, responding to rhythm is something that not only in humans, but even in animals, um, you know, from your birds to your uh, dogs. I know that my dog rhythmically entrains a lot. Um, so given that we have rhythmic entrainment, that's an innate ability to us, in, especially in neurologic music therapy, we extensively use that as a foundation for a lot of the interventions that we have when it comes to addressing maybe physical issues or even cognitive issues. So listening to all of this, um, I feel that so much, as you said, uh, the way our bodies uh, and our brain uh, respond to music, it seems like all of this we do on an unconscious level. We don't really know that we are responding or we are trying to walk to a beat of the music in a mall or working out in a gym. So most of this activity is happening unconsciously. So what really is that, what is the effect of that music that's happening on our brain and how can we become conscious of all the music, all the, it's, it's not even really music, all the noise that is surrounding us and um, is that detrimental, the kind of music uh, and the noise that we are subjected to uh, subconsciously all the time in the day? So um, I, I'd like to break down that question in answer different aspects of it so to start off with um, every time you listen to music right or you engage even just by humming along to a tune or by tapping your foot along to a tune you are actually giving your brain a full body workout right so you have your auditory cortex that is uh, engaged because you have 
auditory input when you're listening to music you have the uh, your physical body right so your motor cortex that's engaged if you're moving to music in some way um if it's a song that you know and you're singing along to the lyrics then you have your language centers that are engaged uh, you have your memory centers that are engaged because a lot of us associate memories with music like i know even today if i listen to um you know a lullaby that my mom used to sing to me for me the imagery or the visual that i have in my head is of my mother of the bedroom that we we were in of the house that we lived in you know 20 something years ago right so um all of these different areas of your brain are engaged and it's like giving your brain a full body workout every time you engage in music in some way or the other so given that you know we are constantly subjected to sound uh, let's kind of look at what is music versus what is noise right so we have sounds constantly in our environment and in fact um as humans uh we are uh, the way our body develops in the womb itself our auditory system is the first sensory system to completely develop by the end of the second trimester and the beginning of the third trimester which means for the last 2 to 3 months that a fetus is in the womb the way it understands the world around it is through sound uh and our vision in fact which is what we rely on the most uh once we come into this world uh is the last to develop so you'll see that when you have cases of like premature births sometimes the vision is what gets affected so maybe they end up wearing glasses earlier or maybe they develop some kind of um you know issues with their vision so given that the auditory system is the way we uh, understand the world around us first it is also what we depend on the most um, in our lifetime so uh, because of this relationship that we have with our auditory sense and the surroundings that we live in music is nothing but organized sound right so noise is what is unorganized unpredictable maybe even chaotic and music can also be chaotic sometimes but at the same time it's organized sound so if i'm going to sing twinkle twinkle little star how i wonder what you you have that need to say arj to complete that phrase right because that's how uh, music is it designed that's how phrases are designed that's how even lyrics are designed right from your rhyming words to the different kinds of syllables that you use whatever language it is that you listen to music in um when it comes to music therapy uh, there isn't really anything called detrimental music right so um i mean of course if you're listening to um loud sounds be it music or be it noise constantly it is going to have an effect on your your drums over time but um when it comes to the kind of music itself there is nothing really that is detrimental unless you have negative associations with that kind of music that is impacting you emotionally um in music therapy we always go with client preferred music so i might have a client that really enjoys carnatic music um you know and that is th- their preferred way way of uh, connecting or preferred way of expressing themselves so for that client carnatic music is what i'll use but if i have another client who is a huge fan of classic rock or is a huge fan of um, k pop which for some reason has gotten really popular in the last year or so then that's the kind of music i'm going to be uh, using with them because that is what they relate to that is what they have associations with and uh, 
um, therefore that's also uh, that's the kind of music that's going to motivate them to work on their uh, you know non musical goals at the end of the day so purva i have a question then you know regarding that mm-hmm. that um, all of us who uh you know listen in india to indian classical music whether it's carnatic music or whether it's um hindustani classical music it is believed that this music is so highly evolved highly intellectual that you know with the whole the whole frequency bit is also um a very interesting concept in that so when you listen to certain frequencies it is having an impact on your brain on your body on the way you live so when we listen to certain classical musicians certain ragas you know which are like hundreds and thousands of years old um as you said that there is no such thing as detrimental music but surely there is some form of music which is simply because of its heal natural healing capacity its frequencies um the way it's been designed and it's been in existence for so many thousands of uh, you know years in so many decades surely there that is a uh, a much better way uh, i mean much better to listen to and uh, you know to feel the effect of say a hindustani classical music versus a a a band playing metal i'm sure there's a difference in the way the our brain is perceiving that can you explain that yeah so um actually in reality uh, the differ- there is a huge difference between music therapy and what uh, we call sound therapy right so sound therapy focuses more on the frequencies it focuses more on the uh, tonality of the sound it focuses more on the instruments itself as opposed to music therapy looks purely at the elements of music right and there are five elements of music that we look at we look at rhythm we look at melody we look at pitch we look at timbre which is the quality of sound and finally we look at harmony which is when you have you know two or more melodies that are playing at the same time that creates harmony so you can find these five elements of music in a beautiful hindustani classical composition you can also find it in a metal piece right so as a music therapist my job then is to be able to take that piece of music and then customize that that music that piece of music into an intervention for my client now when i'm talking about interventions for clients and i'm saying non musical goals there are five again five areas that we predominantly look at when we are creating goals and objectives for a client right so the first one is physical goals so anything to do with movement um it could be gross motor movements like you know larger body parts like maybe raising your hands maybe walking uh maybe being able to sit up and get uh, sit down and get up um right so that could be some of the physical goals it could be fine motor goals so being able to do something like pick up this bottle right or being able to uh, write being able to um, use your fingers so we call this the pincer grip so being able to hold things or being able to stretch your hand out so these are some of the fine motor skills that we work on next we look at cognitive goals and cognitive goals has everything to do with the way your brain processes around right so um it could be understanding sequences so you and i know that 
um, in the morning when we get up to brush our teeth, we turn the tap on. We first, you know, run, uh, keep our tooth toothbrush under the running water, and then we open the cap of our toothpaste. We squeeze a little bit on. We know how much to squeeze, and we close it, and then we brush, and then we rinse, we wash up. So these are things that come very. Um, we don't even have to think about it, right? So this sequencing comes very easily to us because it's become a habit. But for someone that's differently able, say maybe somebody that's on the autism spectrum, they don't understand the sequences. So they might miss a step here or there when it comes to the sequences. And music, if you listen to a piece of music, is actually nothing but sequences, right? You have a chorus, you have a verse, you have a rhythmic pattern that's staying the same throughout a piece of music, or you have multiple instruments that are layered one on top of the another to create that piece of music so um, we we can use music to address sequencing we can use music to address learning um, you know, learning abilities learning capabilities also uh, we can use music to address attention span um, use it to address like you know concentration and focus um, and there are so many other cognitive areas that music can address and music can actually help develop so what happens when you use music as a way is that there are certain areas of your brain that light up, which otherwise when you're doing these everyday activities go unused, right? Or predominantly are not really used as much. So if you have someone that is not oh. able to, um, to profit, a certain aspect of maybe sequencing or a certain movement that they're not able to do because of uh, uh, maybe neural damage or because of the way their brain um, has developed, then using music actually helps build neural pathways around that damaged area. So you are teaching them how to do something, but you're using music to do it, which is making it easier, or which is creating a new neural pathway for them to be able to do it. Now, when it comes to um, Hindustani or classical music, Indian classical music versus, uh, you know, what we know as like popular Western music, or even in India itself, you have... When we say Indian music, we predominantly focus on just Karnataka or Hindustani. But if you actually look at it, Indian music is so much more, right? We have our folk music. Um, language plays a huge role in our music. Uh, you know, you go to the Northeast and what we call folk music there is so different from what you would call folk music in Karnataka or in Tamil Nadu for that matter, right? And these are things that, um, that are very uh, real and very interwoven into the culture. In, in India, one of, the, uh, one of the challenges really when it comes to music therapy is that, um, you know, every neighborhood has its own dialect. Every neighborhood has its own sound. Every neighborhood has its own identity. So when you have a country that is so diverse, then how do you um, generalize something like music therapy? So one of the ways that we've been able to do it so far is in, you know, Carnatic music or Hindustani music. But if you actually look at... Um, Look at our country right now. Look at the way it, the internet and social media has pretty much changed our lives and made the entire world a much smaller place. Um, we can't take for granted that Indian music is equal to just Carnatic or Hindustani music. Um, and yes, I, being a Carnatic musician myself, I completely agree that um, there is something when it comes to uh, our Indian classical music. It has evolved over um, centuries, really. Go back and look at uh, you know the texts right from the the first um, 
the first text really was in the 7th century that then got um uh really developed by the 13th century which then start you know kind of set the structure for carnatic music and hindustani music that we know today um it's definitely something that is being passed down from generation to generation right um for us uh carnatic music the way you learn it and i'm sure this is the same for hindustani music too is it's not something that you buy a textbook and then you learn on your own it's not something that you can okay i listen to someone sing and then i'm going to sing along and i know the song right that's not how carnatic music or hindustani music works and a lot of it has to do with the way it has been passed down and a lot of it also has to do with how i mean the reason gharanas exist is because different people sing or interpret music different ways um and the same thing in carnatic music too you can have two people singing the same composition but their alap is not going to be the same even if they're doing the many runs or the many sangatis that we uh, you know we call in carnatic music it's never going to be the same even the gamakas that they do which is the the slight voice modulations when they go from one note to the other differs and so there is a massive variability in carnatic music and hindustani music that if you look at it from a clinical aspect makes it very difficult to really uh, pin down in research right so research um and there are people that are doing um really good work uh, like dr shandala hegde in them hands um you know who really kind of dedicated years um in trying to understand how why does carnatic music or hindustani music have the kind of impact that it does compared to other styles of music right so uh, we haven't gotten there yet because the biggest um, obstacle or challenge that we have is the fact that it is so open to interpretation that one not only is the musician interpreting it in many different ways but the audience that is listening to it is also interpreting it in many different ways so while you and i understand um, you know the impact that it has, as on as we understand the emotional impact maybe even the cognitive impact the physical impact that it has on us um when it comes to research when it comes to saying okay why does this work the way it works we aren't there yet but hopefully we're getting closer every day so fascinating purva i think the deeper you go into is just uh, so much more to learn and to understand just coming back to the previous question about what you mentioned that for special children adhd um, mm-hmm. sequencing music helps uh, um, in sequencing their routine can you mm-hmm. just give an example as to if you were creating a, a music therapy um, sequencing for a child who has mm-hmm. uh, who, who is a special child what does that create a uh, you know what does this look like how would you how would that music really help in sequencing his daily routine what does that look like how, how do you do that okay all right so um let me ask you all this uh, right so you all know the the nursery rhyme johnny johnny yes papa yeah. yes okay. eating sugar no papa telling lies no papa open your mouth Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> okay there's another one which is uh rosy cheeks dimple chin and then sorry you'll have to help me finish curly hair teeth within um eyes are blue lovely too yes i'm saying this after like i don't know probably 20 30 years but i still remember yes. the sequencing and even exactly. though even the, the the tone of uh, saying that 
I mean, I'm sure all of us have heard this like probably in our KG or, you know, something like that. But it's still fresh. It's still coming back. Absolutely. And um, if you really think about maybe how you first learned uh, the different parts of your face, it's probably through this song. Or how you learned that, okay, don't lie, is probably through. Or I've even understood the concept of what it means to lie. Right. So what is the consequence of it? the way, um, you know, as human beings that we remember lessons, we remember things. It is predominantly through music, because when you add that element of rhythm to it, you add that element of melody to it um, and you add words to it. When it comes together, it becomes something that's a lot easier to remember as opposed to just learning it. Right. So, um, I mean, I'm, I've met a lot of people who've done this, but in history class, when uh, for my board exams, 10 standard exams, when I had to remember all those dates, the easiest way to remember it was to put it into rhythm and melody. I right? turn it into a song and then suddenly it becomes a lot easier to remember. Or sometimes we wake up with random songs stuck in our head. It could be music that we hate. It could be music that we love. But the fact is we wake up with tunes and melodies that are stuck in our head. And so therefore that is the impact that music has. It's something that is easy to recall. It is something that has multiple elements. Therefore we make multiple associations with it. And so if I'm helping a child learn how to brush their teeth, instead of saying, okay, what is number one? Number one is open the tap. What is number two? Number two is put, run your toothbrush under the water. What is number three? Turn off the tap so you don't waste water. Number four, squeeze a little bit of toothpaste on or rather take the cap off the toothpaste next right so these are multiple steps if you actually really break down the process of brushing your teeth and you write it down as steps it doesn't look easy at all right same thing when it comes to maybe uh, you know uh, eating right so what are the things that you do and now especially because of the pandemic sanitizing washing your hands Right, So these are things that you and I understand, but um, it, it might not necessarily be that easy for them to understand. Why do I suddenly have to do this? So I have a client who uh, understood, okay, I have to wash my hands, but then she didn't understand that she needs to wash till all the soap is gone. So oftentimes she will do the whole, you know, okay, wash my hands, soap, scrub, and then run it under the water for two seconds and I'm done. But it, her hands would still be dripping with soap. So the minute you put this into song, right? So a uh, simple melody of, okay, let's wash our hands. Let's wash our hands. Turn the tap on. Turn the tap on. Run your hands under the water. Or Again, I'm just coming up with this on the spot. But the minute you put it into a rhyme, you put it into a chant, it becomes a lot easier to recall. So what you're is you're actually writing the lyrics to help them establish that daily routine. So that people. is one of the ways in which we can address address sequencing, right? Through, if, you, if I have a child that understands the words, um, can process language, then this is something that I have used with them before. In fact, um, I used it with, um, with a child for her to be able to understand emotion. So I took the song, If You're Happy and You Know It, and I changed the lyrics around a little bit. So I said, if you're happy and you know it, show me a smile, right? So when the child sees a smile, the child can associate that with that emotion right or when you're sad and you know it cry boohoo 
so multiple different emotions and therefore also building in like emotional uh, responses strategies for that child um and other way to be able to do it is to use music itself to create sequences so uh we might pick a song that i know the client really enjoys um for one of them it was wheels on the bus for a really young child for an adult um it was a a very popular tamil song uh, that is that it just released right so then i'm creating rhythmic patterns for them to play on the drums so i have bongos i have like um, you know the djembe so all these different drums that you use your hands to play and then we create a pattern sequence so for them to be able to one remember that sequence therefore focus also play according to that sequence is also following that sequence um and using visual and verbal prompting right so chances are they're not going to get it so i had a client that started with just two beats and then worked his way up to playing eight beats in a pattern right so using music in itself to be able to create these patterns to be able to create sequences for them to follow or knowing okay fine when does the male voice come in when does the female voice come in so being able to count those beats count those patterns wait for their turn there are so many different ways in which you can um address sequencing when it comes to music absolutely fascinating also pura you mentioned the pandemic so coming back to the uh, you know pandemic that we are all uh, you know into you know right now mm-hmm. what sort of music you know people are going through so much of stress and anxiety and uh, so much of workload at home uh, you mm-hmm. know there are no boundaries anymore between work life and home life because everything is all together all the time and people are living a very stressful uh, you know life right now so what kind of music do you suggest that people should listen to and um is sound therapy also applicable here would you also recommend uh, like you mentioned sound therapy is different from music therapy it will work more on frequencies so perhaps mm-hmm. for quieting for stillness the sound therapy also play a, a role into all of our uh, the way we listen so when it comes to sound therapy given that it's not something that i've um uh, you know studied or really uh, used extensively in therapy uh, i feel like i might not really be the right person to talk about it but what i can talk about is the effect that sound has on the human body uh, right so when we get anxious which is uh, which has been happening a lot during the pandemic um, i mean even with myself one of the first uh, physical symptoms that comes about when you get stressed when you get anxious when you get angry when you get worried any kind of um emotion that um is is creating an effect on your body the first thing that happens is that your heart rate goes up right and then once your heart rate goes up then becomes kind of like a waterfall right so heart rate goes up therefore sweating starts maybe for some people shallow breathing begins or you you're breathing really fast therefore you're not taking enough oxygen for your heart rate to come down and that becomes something difficult um and also let's be real how many of us really appreciate it when we're really upset or stressed if someone says hey just chill or take a deep breath do we actually really want to do that when we're mad 
I don't. <laughs> I don't know about all of you. But when somebody says, you know, oh, it's okay, don't worry, everything will be fine. When you're really stressed or worried, that only increases your stress. Because the first response is, what do you know? You're not in my shoes. And that's completely valid. Right? Nobody is going to understand what it's like to go through what you're going through because they're not you. Only you know that. So the minute the heart rate goes up, a lot of these other um, um, other physical symptoms follow. And for someone that has a chronic condition of some sort, maybe it could be chronic ETs that has its own set of side effects. It could be a heart condition. When this happens, then all of those other things get triggered because our body remembers trauma. Right, so um, I I have a particular spot in my neck where the minute I get stressed, that's the first place that will start hurting, even though I haven't done anything to, you know, stress it or hurt it in any way. Right. So um, when this happens, one of the first things for us to be able to do is to bring that heart rate down. So if we can bring our heart rate down, then all of these are the symptoms will also come down with it. Now, if you look at it from a music point of view, um, our heart rate, our resting heart rate is actually between 65 to 68. There is a lot of music out there that is in this tempo. So um, if you have this app called Spotify, you can actually go there and type 65 BPM and you'll have playlists of music that is um, in this uh, um, in this tempo or in this uh, rhythmic pattern. So breathing along to that kind of music. So if you're listening to something with a particular um, uh, with a particular tempo between 65 to even 70 beats per minute, being able to breathe along to that kind of music. So you're breathing in for four counts, breathing out for four counts. But or let's say that okay, your breathing is so shallow, you're not suddenly able to breathe in for four counts and breathe out for four counts. Then start with breathing in one count, breathing out one count, and then make it two. Breathing in two counts, breathing out two counts. Make it three, make it four, and work yourself up to eight if you can, right? So that when you are breathing in deeply, that's how your heart rate comes down, right? Or even when you're listening to music because of rhythmic entrainment, your heart rate kind of comes down to that um, tempo of music. So that is a great way, um, especially for those that have panic attacks or those that have severe anxiety symptoms that kind of get triggered, great way to kind of um, uh, bring yourself back, bring your body back to its, um, you know, homeostasis. Um, and uh, the other thing also that I will say, um, you know, because a lot of people always ask me this, like, what kind of music should I listen to to relax? And I always say, you tell me what kind of music you want to listen to to relax. Because for someone listening to Linkin Park can be relaxing. For someone else, listening to Bhim Sen Joshi can be relaxing, right? So it's really important for us to become aware of the kind of associations that we have with music. Now, Carnatic music is um, is believed, or classical music is really believed to be very um, uh, soothing. It's believed to be, uh, you know, very uh, uh, spirituality. But for the longest time when I was a child, I mean, I'm very grateful to my family today, but for the longest time when I was a child, I was forced to go to Carnatic music class and I didn't want to. Right? So my other very pleasant one. So if somebody said, okay, you're feeling stressed, listen to Carnatic music, it would have only made me feel more stressed. 
and at the same time listening to uh, like music that i really enjoyed like maybe hindi songs maybe ashan was my favorite growing up listening to that would immediately put me in a better mood or kind of help me uh, find a way to emotionally balance out my self at the same time today when i look back yes there were effects that carnatic music had on me i would like have a fight with my grandmother and go to class because i didn't want to and then i would sing and by the time i was done with my class i would notice an emotional shift where i would come back home and apologize right so uh, music does have that effect on us but it's also very important for you to be aware of what kind of music do you have good associations with happy associations with what kind of music do you you have negative associations with right um and other thing that we follow in music therapy is something called the iso principle so iso iso principle now the iso principle says that if you have a client who um is maybe going through a is maybe very depressed or um, is very angry trying to play music with them or asking them to listen to music that is the polar opposite right so like very upbeat music cheery music happy music can actually um one either make them disconnect from the therapist from the music or it can only enhance what they are going through so they might end up feeling invalidated because you are dismissing that negative emotion and trying to switch to a happier place so instead of doing that uh, we use music as a way so fine if somebody is feeling really upset maybe they had a break up and they really really upset about it so then address that emotion address that sadness address that anxiety address that anger maybe they want to listen to a really depressing arijit singh song you know it's happened before so then use that opportunity to to listen to that song and then allow that song to trigger those memories for them so they can talk about it allow them to have that cathartic experience with music because sometimes you know there might be a lot that we want to say that we don't find the right words for but then when we listen to a piece of music we end up crying to it or we end up singing along or maybe even just moving to that music and at the end of it even though we haven't really articulated what it is that we're going through we still feel like we have expressed ourselves and that is one of the biggest powers of music which is why we call it a universal language right it could be in a language you don't understand at all but there is still something that you connect with and you use to express yourself so if you want to know what kind of music do i listen to if i'm feeling really stressed you tell me right what kind of music helps you when you're stressed or what is it that you like to do when you're stressed does movement help you if movement helps you then pick some upbeat song like uh, i really enjoy listening to chak de india when i go run right so because i have that association with that song i in i can do this kind of association with that song um and so pick music that makes you feel a certain way it's not about what kind of music is it as much as it is about how the music make you feel so when you're feeling stressed or depressed or anxious how do you want to feel to be able to feel better in this uh, conversation so to be able to really feel your feelings completely and to be able to sit with your feelings so just switching and not being able to feel angry not being able to feel that stress not being able to feel that sadness mm-hmm. and just brushing things under the carpet is not really going to help you 
deal with those emotions and i think everywhere we are taught if you are depressed how to see your friends or you know just listen to some music or why are you uh, you know unhappy but it's important because the one who's going through that knows what it is like to be with that emotion and i think that's a very valid thing because our culture sometimes ends up dismissing uh, these emotions and we have to look happy and positive uh, all the time and sometimes it can lead to something called as toxic positivity as well so it's really important to um, acknowledge validate what you are feeling sit with your feelings and listen to music that you know probably uh, you know connects to you at that particular uh, point in time of, of uh, what you're feeling so um, you know um, coming to the next uh, thing is Uh, so would it be easy is it possible for all of us to create our own playlists according to uh, our different moods so can we in our playlist have a set of music when we are feeling upbeat uh, when we uh, you know when we are you know just feeling those positive vibes create a playlist when we uh, you know in those days in those moods when we don't feel so good about ourselves and you just want to also uh, just let yourself be so is it also easy to create our own playlist because that also means getting in touch with your own innermost emotions and your feelings and knowing what works for you that searching for that music itself i think is the journey of um, you know finding that connection back to yourself so would you also advise people uh, to create their own playlist because you know yourself best right you're not creating the music for someone as you said you're asking them what makes them feel happy what kind of music makes them less stressful so it's almost like uh, enabling us uh, empowering us to create our own music playlist for our own mental well being absolutely you see at the end of the day the role of a therapist is not to tell you what is right or wrong not to tell you what to do or what not to do but an effective therapist is someone that holds the space in dictates the journey that you are going to go on to work through those things on your own right so um and music therapy is no different that way so um i mean i can i can tell you the kind of playlist that i have so for me all my playlists are uh, based on the different emotions that i have and not just like happy sad even within that happy sad i have different kinds of happy different kinds of sad so i have one playlist which is just like crying songs but they're all english songs right i have another playlist which is again like really sad songs but it's a mix of like you know these um like dhanush songs because i i relate to tamil a lot so like a mix of like all these really sad like you know drunk dhanush songs and a mix of arijit singh songs right so um a lot of the times the the kind of language that we relate to the kind of language that the voices you know in our brain uses also matters a lot um you know so sometimes uh, you know maybe in a certain situation it's english that i relate to the most but maybe sometimes in other situations i need a language that is more comforting for me because tamil is my mother tongue, mother tongue that is a language that is very comforting for me and when i was in the states i used to listen to a lot of tamil music when i would feel homesick because it made me feel closer to that language feel closer to that culture even if i was halfway across the world so um you know i have different playlists i have even when i'm working out i have different playlists for that so i have one playlist that has all of these um you know i call it um my playlist and uh, it has all of these you know english numbers uh, hip hop numbers all like female singers right because that makes me uh, it it motivates me at the same time i also have 
another playlist that I sometimes listen to when I want to change, which has songs like Chakti India, Surma, uh, you know, Josh, uh, all of these like really, uh, you know, typical uh, patriotic or, you know, like we can do this kind of uh, Bollywood music. Um, at the same time, I also have Carnatic music that I sometimes listen to. Um, I think sometimes when I pray, sometimes when I feel very um, introspective, when I kind of just want to sit with an emotion or sit with a feeling, um, you know, I really enjoy uh, Bombay Jayashree. I really enjoy TM Krishna. These are some of the artists that I connect with, I relate to, um, you know, as opposed to some of the older artists because of the fact that, you know, I, I grew up listening to them and because of the fact that they have something different about them when it comes to Carnatic music, right? At the same time, there are, like when I'm reading or when I'm writing, I want to listen to Western classical music because it helps me focus. So when I'm reading or writing or I'm doing something that needs my attention, um, when I have lyrics as a singer myself, it's very difficult for me to uh, read or write and focus on the lyrics. I get very distracted with the lyrics. So honestly, all of these things are things that I've developed over years of trial and error, right? So of like listening to a playlist that had words when I was trying to type out an email and then I ended up typing out the lyrics instead, right? Or like one or two words were what I was actually listening to instead of what I wanted to say. So look at what works for you, right? Try, don't be, um, don't be shy to like listen to music. One of the other things that I've noticed is a lot of the times, uh, you know, there is judgment uh, surrounding the kind of music that you listen to. Um, at least, especially for me in college, um, in school, there is that judgment of, oh, you're listening to, you know, this popular music, oh, you're listening to Anu Malik, okay, you're not that cool. So sometimes we tend to carry that kind of judgment about the kind of music that we listen to, even into our adult years, right? Even though it doesn't matter these days, you have so many different apps. You have Savan, you have Wink, you have Ghana, you have Spotify. Um, you even just have YouTube for you to go in and you can create playlists on YouTube too, um, right? So really play around with that. Think about your childhood, right? So close your eyes, think about what are the songs that, um, you know, I, re I remember from my childhood. What are some of the songs that I really enjoyed too? What are some of the songs that I danced with, right? Or maybe what are some of the songs that, um, you know, remind me of my mom, remind me of my dad, remind me maybe of my siblings or my school friends, right? And if these uh, memories bring back uh, a happy emotion for you, they bring back a feeling of uh, safety, they bring back a feeling of comfort, then put that into a playlist. So when you're feeling uncomfortable, when you're feeling stressed out, you just need to feel like, okay, everything is going to be okay. Um, even if, you know, your friends are not with you at that moment, or your parents aren't with you, or your siblings aren't with you, their memories are and music acts as an amazing trigger for those memories. Right? One line from a song, it can play out an entire movie for you in your head. So make use of that ability that you have um, and really think about what are some happy memories for me? What are some things I want to think about? I want to be reminded of when I'm feeling a certain way and therefore, how can I do that? And finally, uh, you know, going off of what I had said uh, previously, don't 
ever feel ashamed to cry. I think our strength, the strength of the, the human being comes from the fact that we can be vulnerable, comes from the fact that we can express ourselves. And it actually takes a lot of strength to be able to cry. Whether you do it alone, whether you do it with someone that you are very close to, whether you're doing it with your family around you, or whether you're just doing it in the middle of the night because you don't want anyone else to know, still do it. Because the way you feel after you cry, be it because you're angry or you're sad or you're happy, whatever emotion you're feeling, crying really helps to express that emotion when your words can't. So if you have music that helps you cry, go for it. I have like scenes from movies that help me cry sometimes when I need to cry. Right. So um, don't hold yourself back. Music therapy is not one thing or the other, or it's not just one kind of music. It's not just one particular effect that it's supposed to have on you. The way you relate with music is what makes music special to you in your life. So, um, you know, feel free to, uh, to explore all of these different kinds of emotions, um, songs, and if if you want to get into music, I want to tell you it's never too late. It's never too late to sing. As long as you can open your mouth and sounds come, sound comes out of it, you can sing. And nobody's asking you to, uh, you know, go and compete on Indian Idol. But no one's asking you to be able to perform in public. But if singing or if playing an instrument, even just learning how to play an instrument brings joy to you, it gives you purpose, then do it. Because not every, um, you know, indulgence in music has to end up in performance. And it doesn't always have to be, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't sing. I can only sing in the bathroom. If you can sing, you can sing. What's important is how it makes you feel when you do it. Pura, uh, just a last question to you before we take uh, some questions from the audience. Uh, it is, you know, uh, regarding to your profession as a music therapy. So what is, what is it for you to, to be a music therapist in India today? And uh, do you have to explain yourself a lot that what is the work that you do? And uh, how would you really advise people, young people who want to become music therapists? What is the way to forward and um, so I moved back uh, to India um, two years ago um, and this was after uh, getting my certification so completing my education then completing a thousand two hundred hours of internship uh, getting my certification and then working for a year before I decided to um, finally move back and um, you know I chose to move move back because um, I felt like even though I had a full-time job um, in the US, I somewhere felt very disconnected from my culture. And um, I always had this idea of, you know, maybe eventually moving back to India and doing something when it comes to music therapy here. Because honestly, today, if you look at it, music therapy is not um, a, a recognized um, industry yet in India. Um, you do have a lot of people that understand certain elements of music therapy, um, you know, that are doing things their own way, which is great, but it's still, uh, there isn't a cohesive structure to the profession in India yet. Uh, but for me, I kind of just took a leap of faith. And when I moved back, I realized that I, for the last two years, I was the only um, CBMT certified music therapist in the country. So um, when that happened, uh, I suddenly realized that the 
the responsibility I have, not just towards myself or my career, but the responsibility I have towards music therapy is a lot more than I anticipated. So half my work, I always say this, half my work is advocacy. Half my work is just creating that awareness, talking about what music therapy is, helping people understand the difference between music being therapeutic versus music therapy in itself, Um, right? To help them understand that music kind of goes beyond just feeling good or relaxing or, uh, you know, feeling spiritual. It goes beyond all of that. And it actually has, um, you know, through clinical research, through uh, neuroscience research has proven how effective music can be um, for the human brain and the human body. Um, And so when I first moved back, I took about a good six months to really, um, understand the population because I'd been away from India for close to eight years at that point. Um, So, uh, you know, kind of coming back with the assumption that, oh, things are going to be the same would have been very wrong of me. So I took the time to understand, okay, how have things changed? What is the, what are the needs that, um, you know, the community has, especially the differently abled community. And I moved back um, with, you know, the thought that, okay, I'm going to have to convince people of what music therapy is before they want to give it a chance. But I, when I moved back, I realized that, um, especially with the differently abled community, they are so um, starved of uh, therapies that add quality to their life because you have special education, you have your physiotherapy, you have your occupational therapy, but there, there wasn't anything that was bridging the gap between their behavioral and their emotional needs. It is so easy for us to assume that because somebody can't speak or someone is nonverbal or someone can't um, communicate effectively that they don't actually have choices that they want to make or they don't have emotions that they go through because of that. Um, And so I saw a lot of that happening and music therapy really helped in kind of bridging that gap of helping them express that or even just helping them understand what it is that they're feeling and going through. So um, within the first year, um, I got really busy and uh, you know pre-COVID I was seeing close to about 100 clients a week um, you know in group settings um, and of course across the spectrum too so right from adults with neurodevelopmental disorders to teenagers with ADHD anger management issues um, mental health was a huge population so schizophrenia bipolar depression um, anxiety um, you know suicidal thoughts uh, or self-harm and then of course neuro rehab is also a space that I work in so anyone that's recovering from a stroke, um, surgery, um, you know, any kind of medical uh, ailments that has affected their brain. So any kind of like neurodevelopmental or uh, neural damage um, that they have uh, at different rehab centers and also Alzheimer's and dementia as well as Parkinson's. So again, huge populations that benefit from music therapy greatly. So um, this is pretty much the the spectrum of the clients that I've been working with. Um, And because one of my passions is not just to practice music therapy, but also to be able to to help other people, uh, you know, learn what music therapy is and become music therapists themselves. I took up teaching assignments. So one is at Women's Christian College in Chennai and the other one at Xavier's right now in Mumbai, um, where as part of their expressive arts therapy diploma program, I'm teaching uh, the music therapy module for them. Uh, But really my um, ultimate aim is one to have, uh, you know, degrees that are exclusive 
exclusively music therapy, exclusively. Um, I know there are great people in the industry that are working on creating these exclusive degrees for dance and movement therapy, for drama therapy, um, for uh, art therapy. So uh, given that music therapy is my domain, I really want to be able to create that world-class education because not everybody um, you know, has that ability to move to a different country to study. Um, and it's not fair that, uh, you know, that is the only option available for them. And I, I'm so blessed and lucky to have had that opportunity to do that. But I feel like it's now time to, um, you know, pay it back. Um, and, and one of the things that helped me the most was the fact that I came from a different culture when I was in the US. And so um, I think it's, it's high time that we um, really uh, take what Indian music uh, has to offer to the world in terms of music therapy. Um, so I think that is something that's definitely on, on the cards for me. It's something that's going to take a while because I don't want to rush through it. I don't want to come up with crash courses. I don't want to um, do something that's not going to do justice to the profession. Um, and also, of course, eventually being able to have India's own system of certification where, um, you know, the copy paste method from Western countries is not going to work here. Um, you know, they don't have a uh, hundred different languages in one country. And so it's important for us to be able to um, address that, to be able to allow for space uh, for different kinds of music, different people, different cultures, when it comes to Indian music therapy and really um, doing justice to the education as well as the practice and the standards of ethics uh, when it comes to uh, being a music therapist in, in India. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Purva, for sharing all that information. And I think uh, this seems to be the need of the day. I mean, uh, so many more and more of these holistic interventions, I think people need to understand, uh, you know, what, how to be able to um, you know, practice that, you know, as tools for themselves as well. And, uh, you know, we'll be very happy to share her uh, email address on our website. So any of you who want to get in touch with her, you know, regarding what she does or, uh, you know, any music, uh, you know, therapy sessions. Um, so, you, you, uh, you know, everyone you know, will be able to contact her and, uh, you know, get in touch with her. So, thank you for sharing that. I think I'm going to move to the questions that people are asking us. And there's a question, uh, the first one is a question from Ravina, um, who's asking which type of music we need to listen when we take some break from our studies and uh, how, what kind of music should we listen to to make ourselves feel fresh? All right, so um, Ravina, is it? Yes, it's Ravina. Okay, Ravina, um, when you are studying and you take a break, what is it that you like to do the most, right? So um, figure out whether moving is something that helps you feel fresh, figure out if singing is something that helps you feel fresh, um, or sometimes figure out if just watching a, a video that you really enjoy, like a music video, if that's something that um, helps you feel fresh. So if you know what it is that's going to help you feel uh, fresh, I'm guessing movement usually helps because when you're studying, you're kind of sitting in one place. So kind of just getting up, doing something, especially away from gadgets is something that uh, I've come to respect a lot, uh, especially during the lockdown. So then have music that, you know, automatically makes you want to move. So it could be a dance number. It could be, you know, a, an upbeat number that uh, really gets you excited. It could be um, a song that you have a lot of good memories with that kind of just makes you want to dance around your room. Right. So then create a playlist like that. So um, if you actually look at the human brain, um, 
our focus attention span really uh, especially you know starting for hours together for every 25 minutes take a 5 minute break right that helps you keep up that productivity and it also helps you refresh and restart so that you come back with that same vigor to study so every 25 minutes you know spend 5 minutes listening to a song walk around in your room uh, for me i really enjoy taking a break and playing with my dog right so that's something that helps me when i'm sitting in kind of a laptop all day so figure out what it is that helps you feel fresh and then look at the kind of music that's going to enhance that 5 minutes of feeling fresh for you it could be movement it could be singing along which means i love singing along to disney songs and songs that i grew up with so then create a playlist like that there are so many karaoke tracks also on youtube any song you can find a karaoke track for these days so then if that's what you want to do then do that you know want to sing in the bathroom go ahead and do that bathrooms have great acoustics which is why we sound so great when we sing in the bathroom but figure out for yourself how how do you feel fresh what works for you and then work that into your daily routine especially when you're studying for long hours i hope pravina that answered your question um the next question was from swara uh, who wants to know what which music should we listen to uh, for sound sleep at bedtime okay um ideally um again you know i would say it it depends on the kind of associations you have with music but what i've noticed especially for myself um is music that has a lower frequency so not too many instruments in a particular piece of music so i prefer something that doesn't have a lot of drums or a lot of percussion because the minute that happens then rhythmic entrainment kicks in and i'm starting to like move my head or i'm starting to move some part of my body when i actually want to kind of unwind um for also for me sometimes i realize that music doesn't help me fall asleep because it's something that i'm constantly listening to and engaging with as work so i actually really enjoy listening to bedtime stories um you know so uh, there are uh, podcasts that you can listen to that have bedtime stories um there are also a lot of playlists uh, that i kind of tried and like played around with even recommended to people um especially on spotify which is just um you know playlists for sleeping so it has a lot of ambient sounds it has lower frequencies it doesn't have a particular rhythm to it so you're not getting rhythmically entrained um it also has uh, no lyrics so sometimes having lyrics like maybe a word could trigger something for you or it could trigger a memory and that could keep you up so ideally instrumental music with very little instrumentation um that has a lot of ambient sounds that kind of helps you just drift off or focus on something else or uh, maybe even music that you can just breathe to um right that helps your body relax and helps you get into that space of um setting yourself up for deep sleep are things that you can try and we have another question from uh, shweta which is um, which type of music will help the child who's having developmental delays and to develop speech would depend on the child it would depend on the language that the child knows because english is not the only language right sometimes you might want to use uh, or the child might actually respond to um, his or her mother tongue a lot better than responding to um, english so it would depend on the language it would depend on um, where that child is so what is that child's baseline level of functioning does that child have trouble in understanding speech or is it a cognitive issue where they're not able to process or create speech 
or is it a physical issue where they might have some kind of um, you know a physical challenge in being able to uh, produce or uh, create certain sounds with their mouth so depending on that um, you know you can use a variety of uh, songs so with a lot of my younger clients i usually tend to improvise um, i tend to pick uh, maybe a popular song that they know or they like or if they don't have a musical preference then i just have two simple chords that i play on my guitar and then i come up with my own lyrics uh, right nursery rhymes are so easy for us to remember because the melodies are very simple the melodies are almost like how we would speak it uh, right so find music that is not too complicated um, even just sari gama padhanisa being able to say uh uh these notes being able to say these syllables also works on different areas of your mouth when you are saying it so it works on sa it works on ma pa which are explosive uh, consonants um it also has different vowel sounds of r and e um right so use uh focus on the vowels focus on even if you're just singing sari gama pada nisa one of the things that we do in carnatic music is we do uh, we call it akara ikara ukara which is just going ah and then e and then u au and um right so you use make it fun for the child right so find songs uh that have these different syllables i really enjoy lakadi ki kaati i still use it even though it's an old song because it has so many different syllables that really helps you get into um that work on your speech and um you know it's a lot easier to be able to sing certain syllables than it is to be able to just speak them because the area of your brain that is uh that you are using when you are singing is different from the area of your brain that you're using just when you're trying to produce speech so a lot of the times the more you sing that crossover can happen so find songs with simple melodies um that the child can pick up that the child can sing back um it or it could also be songs that the child has already been responding to maybe the child likes listening to that song maybe the child sings along to that song and then use that as a way to um uh, work on the syllables that the child has difficulty with wonderful information purva um uh, we have another question from yogesh we are getting quite a few questions now can you explain how different types of instruments like chordophone aerophone idophone uh, membranophone impacts on brain differently um so i haven't really come across a lot of research that talks about um the impact of different uh, so all of these instruments that you are say, uh, you are talking about are um percussion instruments right because they need to be struck to create a sound so they all have similar but different qualities of sound uh, so i haven't really come across any research that uh, talks about or that looks at the different um uh, or how the different ways in which different sounds can impact the brain um so i might not really be able to do that but i mean i i will look and if you want to get in touch with me if i do find something i can i can share that information with you but ideally instruments like the chordophone or the idiophone or the especially the membranophone um are uh, instruments that i like to use with children who are very sensitive hearing because these sounds aren't too shrill they aren't too loud or too high pitched 
uh, right? So because of that, uh, they are instruments that don't overwhelm or overstimulate a client that has sensitive hearing. And so I enjoy using it. And it's also an instrument that you can really work on your uh, physical skills, you can work on cognition, you can create different patterns with them. Um, and you can also do a lot of music improv with them if you set out just the notes that you want the client to play. So, so that no matter what they play, if you are playing the guitar, it's always going to be in tune. It's not going to be out of tune. So um, these are some of the ways that I really uh, enjoy using these instruments. Thank you, Purva. There's another question, which is, um, do you consider music therapy to doctor? Uh, and do you really think that if someone stops all the medicines prescribed by a doctor and just rely on music therapy, would that help? Okay, so I will say the same thing, um, you know, about physiotherapy. So if you have, uh, if you've been in an accident and you say, okay, only will physiotherapy help and actually you might need surgery or you might need pain medication for you to be able to deal with whatever has happened, then the answer is going to be no. Right? So again, for some people that maybe might not be on that extreme spectrum of mental health, uh, where it might not actually be a neurochemical imbalance in their brain, it could be something that is externally triggered. For someone like that, then a non-invasive form of therapy like music therapy could help. But for someone where it is a neurochemical imbalance in their brain, for someone where it's genetic, for someone that has severe symptoms where they need that intervention of uh, medication in order to be able to balance the levels of neurochemicals in their brains. If you take that away and you only try a non-invasive form of music therapy, then it's not necessarily going to be as effective or it's not going to um, cure. And I say cure because with any form of therapy, um, we aren't looking to cure, right? Any form of therapy is a non-invasive form of therapy, which means that I can be the best therapist in the world and I'm working with you. But if you don't want to work with me, if you're not going to open up, if you're not going to allow me in, no matter what intervention I use, no matter what instrument I use, no matter what music I use, I'm not going to be able to make any headway with you. Right? It's like saying you can take a horse to the water, you can't make the horse drink that water. So with any form of therapy, the client needs to be in a place where they are open to responding, where they're open to working with the therapist, where they um, want to work towards similar goals with the therapist. So when you have a situation like that, then yes, um, you know, definitely music therapy can help. I've had clients, uh, you know, who started off uh, with medication when they came to me. And then because they had that added support of music therapy, they were able to get off medication faster, right? Same thing even with talk therapy or having a psychotherapist, the, you can have the similar um, um, results with uh, another non-invasive form of therapy like that. But I think at the end of the day, it depends on one, what is your association with music? Two, what is your relationship with that therapist? So how strong is that therapeutic bond? And three, how open are you to um, to working through those issues? Um, and, and how much do you really want to be able to do it? And if you need the help of medication for mental health, then there is nothing wrong about it. Right? Sometimes, you know, if you were sick, will you deny medication? If you had a cold or if you were running a flu, will you say, no, I don't need medication? I'm just 
just going to wait for it to pass or are you going to you know take that extra effort to be able to um uh, to get better sooner or faster absolutely um our next question is is zumba a music therapy sorry can this be our last question because i do have a session that yeah, i need I to run. know that you have other engagements let me just see i have another uh, maybe 5 or 10 minutes tops if that's okay yeah yeah so uh so again a lot of people are asking questions about this utkarsh kale who's asking is it useful for psychosomatic disorders hormonal disorders um cancer parkinsons uh, can music therapy be used for uh, for all of these uh, ailments absolutely so when it, so let me put it this way when it comes to music therapy it's not so much about the diagnosis itself as much as it is about the five goal areas that that client has so i can have two clients who both have depression but their goals can be completely different right no two people with the same diagnosis are going to have the same symptoms and therefore the same uh, form of therapy and with music therapy um, there is no one size fits all like if you look at the intervention it's not okay we use this intervention for depression we use this for anxiety we use this for uh, maybe parkinsons we use this for alzheimers or dementia so every intervention is customized based on the client and their needs so every one of them uh, you know based on their assessment are going to have different physical goals cognitive goals emotional goals behavioral goals and socialization and communication goals so as a music therapist it's my job to be able to understand okay what are the goals that they have amongst this these five areas and therefore what are the different music interventions that are going that's going to actually help them with these non musical goals so any kind of um, uh, disorder or any kind of um, you know medical or uh, you know emotional issues that someone might have they they will have goals that fall across these five categories so depending on those goals that's how i pick and customize my interventions for Lines. I think we'll. Uh, the questions are still pouring in, but I think we will stop because I know you have a busy day ahead. And you can always get in touch with me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on Instagram, um, P U R V A A Factor, Purva Factor. You can find me on Facebook. You can message me there. You can also find Maya's Universe both on Instagram and Facebook and get in touch with me there. Or you can just email me if Renal can. Um, share that and uh, zumba in a way can be music therapy yes um uh, because you are moving to music you are rhythmically and training i think that zumba has more to do with the movement element than the music element uh, but yes you are moving to music you are rhythmically and training um so depending on whether it's therapeutic for you or not uh, it can be something that you can use as an intervention in music therapy Absolutely. So, for everyone who have more questions, who want to know about how Vesh is teaching, and how you can sign up for the sessions, we will be uploading this entire webinar and sharing all of Purva's links and uh, her email address. So it's easy for all of you to get in touch with her and ask her uh, any more questions uh, uh, that you'll have. But for now, we have to stop for now. And thank you so much, Purva, for giving your time and coming here. And it was such a wonderful, eye-opening, uh, you know, session. I think for all of us, uh, you know, we. just we just didn't know in so much detail what music therapy sound therapy and that we could create our own music therapy playlist for ourselves 
there was um, i think a huge uh, you know takeaway for everyone and uh, for all of you as you all know we are you know our website is waitt.a in this so do write to us contact us you can call our helpline you can participate you know be a part of our webinars uh, we have one on one counseling sessions so please do visit us get in touch with us uh, talk to us and we are always there for you Thank you so much, Purva, and thank you everyone for being here today and for making this webinar such a fabulous success. Thank you, Purva. We hope to see you again and ask you, bombard you with uh, lots of. Thank you for joining hands with us in trying to support and empower people to lead a more conscious life. Subscribe to our We Are in This Together podcast channel. To submit your stories, please contact us at www.waitt.in.